Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. It's because he is alive that we have life. Amen? And we're going to be talking about that some today. It's because he is alive that we can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's because he is alive. Do I need to do something with my mic or pull it down? This thing doesn't bend very easy. (laughs) I don't think that helped. Did that help? I don't know. Y'all just ignore all our technical difficulties that we're having today. But because he is alive, we can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And if it wasn't for him raising again from the dead, we wouldn't have that today. We're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning. I was reading in Job the other day, and I read in Job 9.33, and Job said this. He said, if only there was someone to arbitrate, arbitrate between us to lay his hand upon us both. What he's talking about is to lay his hand upon Job and lay his hand upon God and bring the two together. That's who Jesus is. See, Job didn't know that. He didn't have Jesus. He didn't have a risen Savior. But we do. And he was the one that reached into heaven, and he reached down to earth, and he pulled us together so that we can have a relationship with God. And Job said, oh, if there was only someone that could do that for me. Y'all, we have that. We have that. We have that someone, and he's sent the Holy Spirit, and he's abiding, and he's living, and he's dwelling on the inside of us. Glory to God. That is something to shout about. That is something to celebrate. Amen? Woo! I'm excited this morning. I told you I wasn't excited to preach, but that was only because Alan is not here. Not because I personally don't want to preach. It's because he's not here, and I love talking about Jesus. We have Jesus. He was crucified. He was risen. And he's making intercession for us. And he is that one that I'm talking about that has one hand on us. Have you ever just needed help? Have you ever just needed help? I mean, I've been in positions where all I could do was say, God, help. I mean, have you ever done that? Like, God, you know. You know. You know what I'm going through. I just need help. Just do something. Jesus is that one. And you know what? He's making intercession for us. He's here for us. He's not, he's not a, a God that can't be touched with our weaknesses and our infirmities. Amen? Amen. So we're going to turn to Hebrews 2. I'm going to read Hebrews 2, 9 through 19 this morning. Hebrews 2, 9 through 19. I'll be reading that in the New King. New King King James Version, (laughs) y'all. But they're not putting it up on the screen of the New King James Version because we don't have it. So just translate as we go along, okay? Sometimes I just can't help myself. Okay, verse 9. But we see Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. But we see Jesus, 
but he is who we look to no matter what is going on in our lives and what our circumstances are, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. That he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. Y'all people. That's you and me. That's everyone. You're included in that everyone. This isn't written for somebody back then, and this isn't written for somebody up there. It's written for you right now, right this second. He tasted death for you. He died and he rose again for you. For it was fitting for him, for whom all things and by whom all things are all things, in bringing what? Many sons to glory. Once again, that's y'all. Say, that's me. That's me. I'm that many son. I'm one of them many. Are y'all one of them many? I'm one of them many. Bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them what? Brethren. He's not ashamed to call you his brother or his sister, his friend, his child. He's not ashamed. Have you ever been ashamed of somebody? Ever been ashamed of yourself? I mean, maybe y'all are perfect, but I have. And so sometimes, you ever just wanted to leave yourself someplace? Like, if I could just step out and leave that person over there, then I'd be doing pretty good. But you know what? Jesus is not ashamed. He's not ashamed of you. You know what? No matter what we've done in our lives, no matter how far we've fallen, no matter how crazy we are, he's not ashamed. Why? Because he's the redeeming Lord. He's the redeeming Lord. He came to restore. His love is far deeper and greater than we can ever even comprehend or understand. Amen? So let's keep going, verse 12. Saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. He's calling you his brethren. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here I am I and the children whom God has given me. You're, the, you're them children. You're chilling. Y'all are little chillings. <laughs> Say, I'm God's child. He's not ashamed to call you that. Amen. He's talking about us. Verse 14. And as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. It's, why did he die? It says that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. He came to destroy the enemy and to give us life. And we're going to talk more about that. He came to destroy the devil, and it was through his death that he destroyed death. Y'all, we don't have to fear and the root fear is the fear of death. 
That's, the, that's behind every, every fear, is the fear of death. I had an MRI the other day, and those of you that were here on Wednesday nights when I was teaching, you know that you know that I've had to overcome small spaces, and that has been a thing for me. And so they put you on the table, you know, and she gives me this little thing to squeeze if I need help. And so she said, are you ready? I'm, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And the table slides into the tunnel. And I didn't feel so good. And let me tell you what, I did everything in my power to keep from squeezing that little thing and screaming, help, 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 help. But I kept, I know, I'm not going to die in the tunnel. I'm not going to die. Nothing bad is going to happen to me. In my mind, I know that. But someplace on the inside of me is screaming, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. And I just had to talk to myself because you know what? God has not given me a spirit of fear, but he's given me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so I'm telling myself in that tunnel, you have a sound mind. You have a sound mind. It's not going to hurt you. You're going to be kidding. Don't open your eyes. Don't open your eyes. Don't open your eyes. Don't open your eyes. Uh, 20 minutes of don't open your eyes. Marsha, you have self-control. Do not open your eyes. Because I knew if I did, I would be squeezing that button and screaming help. But my point is, not my story of the tunnel, but he overcame death for us. And he overcame for us that were all our lives subject to the bondage of fear. And that bondage of fear is the fear of death. And you know what? If we die, oh, well, we don't really die. He couldn't stay dead and defeat the devil. He had to defeat, the de de defeat death so death didn't hold him down, and it will not hold you down either. See, and that's why I said, so what if you do die? So what? You live. You live. You don't die. You just translate. You just, you know, like I wanted to leave my body. <laughs> That's what you do. <laughs> That's what you do. You leave your body. You just translate. Jesus was not afraid to, de to die, and he conquered death. And, you know, for a born-again believer, there's no such thing as death, being dead. I mean, that's, that's, not, a, that's not a truth because you're not dead. You're alive. You're more alive than you were when you were walking around in your body. It's your body that keeps you in bondage. It's your body that holds you down. It's your body that limits you. So when you die, all that's gone. And you're free when your body dies because you don't die. In John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said to the woman, she said, I, have, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. That sounds a little bit contradictory, doesn't it? You're going to die, but you're going to live. It's because your body is going to die, but you're never going to die. You're always going to be alive. Praise God, that's something to shout about. <clears throat> and that word believes in this scripture is not just he who knows that I exist and he who has a mental ascent of knowledge of who I am. That believes, he who believes in me. That believe is he who trusts in me. He who has a relationship with me. It's not that mental ascent of belief. <clears throat> we need to believe in him. 
Believe that he is the risen Savior. Believe that he loves us. Have that deep-seated trust in who he is to where it's not just a Sunday go to meet and believe. It's a Monday through Sunday believing where he leads us and he guides us and he directs us in everything we do, in every step of our life. Amen? He conquered death, but he didn't just conquer death. He gave us life. He gave us life. He gave us his life. He gave us Zoe life. He provided a way for us that we would have life everlasting, but not just life everlasting in heaven, an abundant life here on this earth. Oh, my goodness, y'all, what a great God we've got. That was a knee slapper, wasn't it? <laughs> what a great God we have. I mean, he, that could have been enough. He could have just said, well, I've taken care of that. When, you, when your body dies, you know, y'all are good. But no, he came to give us abundant life here on this earth. He is so wonderful. He's so good. He sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us so we could have power and authority here on this earth. He sent Holy Spirit so we could have intimate relationship with him. He sent Holy Spirit so that we could be infused with power from on high that we could walk in authority here upon this earth, that we can take the word of God and we can speak it and we can watch miracles happen. He gave that to us so that while we're here on this earth, we're not just, we're not just normal people. The Bible says we're peculiar, and I embrace that very well. He did all of this, and he lived as a man, and he suffered and was crucified and rose from the dead. All of this to reconcile us to the Father. All of this to put us in a position of power and authority. All of this so that we could have that intimate relationship with him. And he did that all for us. Wow. Wow. What an amazing, amazing God we have. Jesus said in John 10.10, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. One of my favorite scriptures. To the full till it overflows. Abundant life. Not just getting by life. Not just getting up and going to work nine to five drudgery life. Not just going to school, doing the homework, passing the tests, and getting back home again life. Abundant life. Joyful life. Amen? He's a good God. But my, as I was doing all this, I thought, so what do we do for him? He did all of this. He did the hard part. He did all of this for us. So my question to myself, and I hope your question to yourself, is what do I do for him? And I'm not talking about works, just getting out and doing stuff. I want to look at 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. You know, it's not just preaching that makes you thirsty. You do all that singing, and then you preach. That's what makes you thirsty. You could have a good... <laughs> all right. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus, that if one died for us, for all, then all died. And if he died for all, that those who, who live should live no longer for themselves, but 
for him who died for them and rose again. We don't live any longer for ourselves. See, when we are born again, there should be an exchange made. And we sat down, we become a new creature in Christ, we know that, but we set down our own life and we embrace his life. And the scripture says, but unto him which died for them and rose again, that we should live. We should, that's how we're supposed to live on a day-to-day basis. And you know what, y'all? It's not hard. You know why it's not hard? Because he doesn't put heavy burdens on us. Because he loves us so much that he has a path for each and every one of us to walk on. And as, if we will just use our brains and follow the path that God has created for each and every one of us, then we would be blessed. We would live that abundant life that I'm talking about. It's when we step off that path and we do stupid stuff that it makes our lives more difficult. Am I saying bad things don't ever happen to good people? And I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying, by cracky, you can make it a whole lot easier on yourself if we just follow after his word and the things he has for us here on this earth and we'll live a blessed life. So we should live no longer for ourselves, but we live for him who died and rose again. I want to read a scripture to you that tells one of the last things that Jesus did on the earth before he was betrayed. He knew he was going to be betrayed. He knew he was going to be crucified. He knew he was going to suffer. But this was so important that it was the very last thing he, one one of the very last things he did on the earth. And as I was reading this, I was thinking, you know, if I was going to tell my loved ones and teach my loved ones one more thing, what would that be? How important, how weighty would that one thing be? Obviously, it must be extremely important and weighty. So I want you to turn to John 13. John 13. I'm going to be reading all the Amplified Classic version, if you have that on your device. And that what thing? I prefer a real, a real deal Bible myself, really. But isn't it awesome? I mean, how many versions do you have on your phone? I mean, like an unlimited number, unlike the sound booth. All right. John 13, 1 through 17 in the Amplified. Is everybody there? So you can't hear pages turn, so. Now, before the Passover feast began, Jesus knew. I want you to look at that. He knew. It says he was fully aware. Amplified amplifies that out. He knew, was fully aware that the time had come for him to leave this world and return to the Father. And as he had loved those who were his own in the world, I just love this right here. He loved them to the last and to the highest degree. He loved them to the last and to the highest degree. And he's fixing to talk to these people that it's talking about right there. He loves you to the last and the highest degree. Do you know that so much that he gave his life for you? 
So it was during supper, Satan having already put the thought of betraying Jesus in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, that Jesus, what, what's it say? Knowing, fully aware that the Father had put everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was now returning to God. So it's making a point. He's fully aware. He knows what's going to happen. He got up from supper. He took off his garments, and taking a servant's towel, he fastened it around his waist. Then he poured water into the wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the servant's towel, which he was girded. When he came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are my feet to be washed by you? Is it for you to wash my feet? Jesus said to him, you do not now understand now what I am doing, but you will understand later on. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, unless I wash you, you have no part within me. You have no share in companionship with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, wash not only my feet, but my hands and my head too. Jesus said to him, anyone who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is clean all over. And you, my disciples, are clean, not all of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. That was the reason he said not all of you are clean. So when he had finished washing their feet and had put on his garments and had sat down, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? <clears throat> you call me the teacher, the master, and the Lord, and you are right in doing so for what, for doing so for what that, for that is what I am. I then, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought, it is your duty, you are under obligation, you owe it to wash one another's feet. For I have given you this as an example so that you should do in your turn what I have done to you. I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and no one who is sent is superior to the one who sent him. If you know these things, Blessed and happy and to be envied are you if you practice them, if you act accordingly and really do them. He said, if you know these things, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be happy so much that people will envy you if you actually do them, if you actually practice what I'm telling you. Remember when the um, disciples asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to them, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And the second is likewise to love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> Jesus said to love, to love God and to love people. Jesus said to serve, to serve God and to serve people. When the last... Um, teaching that you do to someone is on servanthood, then it must be pretty important. Amen? It was so important that it was one of the last things. Desiring to be served causes strife and division, and we are called to serve and not to be served. It isn't about position, and it isn't about how great you can be or, or anything like that. It's about serving other people. You know, that's why that, when you're called into the ministry, it's, a, it's serving. I mean, that's what it is. 
9% of it is just serving, just giving, just serving, just giving, just serving, just giving. And that's what we're all called to do. We're all called to serve, to serve one another, to not lord over one another, or to not have to try to have the highest position. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're the president of your company. You still can serve people and be a blessing to people. Amen? Remember in Mark 9.33, they were on their way to Capernaum, and the disciples started arguing with themselves about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And so they're walking along, and they get there, and Jesus looked at him and at the disciples, and he said, so what, what was it you were arguing? What were you, the word says disputing. What were you disputing about on the road? And you know what? None of them dared say a word. I mean, think about it, would you? You're walking along with your friends, and you're saying, I'm, who do you think is going to be the greatest? I'm going to be the greatest. No, I think I'm going to be the greatest. I don't know. Peter seems pretty great. Well, John is the beloved. And you're arguing, no, 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 me and James, me and James, we're going to be the greatest. We're going to, you know, and they're arguing, who's going to be the greatest? With Jesus. And they're arguing over who's going to be the greatest. So when Jesus confronts them, not a one of them, it says, the word says, um, what is it among, but they kept silent. I mean, I bet they were like, oh my Lord, we've been caught. So what does Jesus say to them? If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. He said, guys, that's not what we do. We don't argue and in, in, in fight over position. We're, we're all in the kingdom of God to love and serve people. Amen? Not to be served. So this is how we're to live for him. We love one another and we serve one another. Like I said, it's not about position. It's not about who's the greatest. It's not about who can be recognized the most. It's about doing what he's asked us to do. Bottom line, our success is measured on did we do what God asked us to do. That's the bottom line. Your success is not measured on whether you're the president of your company, on whether you're a millionaire. Um, your, your success is strictly measured on did you do what he asked you to do. When you stand in front of him and he says, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. He's not saying, well done, you made it to the president of your corporation. I'm so proud of you and giving you a slap on the back. He would be if you did it the way he asked you to do it. But if all, if, if, if all you're called to do, Alan talked about the lady in Russia sweeping the floor in the airport. If that's what you're called to do and you do it well, then you're going to get that well done. It doesn't matter what, as long as it's what he's called you to do. We're called to live for him and to serve one another. Philippians 2, 5 through 9, <clears throat> in the New King James Version. I'll give you just a minute to turn there. Philippians 2, 5 through 9. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm going to stop right there. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, but we have the mind of Christ. 
People say, oh, you never know what God, yeah, 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 you do. God, I, maybe it's just me, but do you know God talks to me? Does he talk to you? I mean, if he's not talking to you, we need to find out about that. Because if you're a born-again believer, then you should be hearing the voice of God in your spirit. He'll tell you, don't do that. Mm-mm-mm, you know not to do that. Or why don't you do this? He ta- we, we can hear his voice. We can be led by his spirit. Amen? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He did not, it says he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself a no reputation and humbled himself and became a bondservant. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a second. When I ministered a few weeks back, I said, serving Jesus is not about us. It isn't about me and it isn't about you. It's about him. Yeah, we receive, there are blessings and receive the, we do receive those blessings. But our focus should not be on us. Our focus needs to be on our relationship with him. All the other stuff we get in our relationship with God is just gravy. It's the cherry on top. Amen? Because he loves us so much. He he provided for us super abundantly. So it says he came as a bondservant. A bondservant is one who voluntarily becomes a lifetime servant. It's not one who's forced into servanthood. It's someone who's decided, I'm going to be a servant to them for the rest of my life. Jesus came as a bondservant. The Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Most High God came to this earth to serve. But yet we have issues with that. We sometimes feel like we're above that. In John 13, 34 through 35, he said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you should love one another. Just as I have loved you, you too should love one another. By this all men will know you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. How are they going to know you're a child of God? Yes, love. Thank you very much. If you have love one for another. That's how they're going to know. Not because whatever thing we get in our brain, how, how religious we can act. Or, you know, how many, how many scriptures we can quote in King James and Amplified and NIV. That is not a standard of being a disciple of God. The standard is that we love one another, that we serve one another, that we care for one another. That's how people know that we are his disciples. We sang that song, So Will I, and just ministers so much to me. If if the world can worship you, so will I. Amen. I want to go back to John for just a couple minutes. Um, 
to back to John 13. <clears throat> I'm just about to wrap this up, so if you want to give Heidi a heads up, um, probably five more minutes or so. John 13, in verse 4. It says, he got up from supper and took off his garments and laid and, and taking a servant's towel, he fastened it around his waist. He got up from the supper. He, lay, he took his robe off, that seamless robe, remember that they actually gambled for when he was crucified? He took his garment off and he laid it aside and he took up a towel, a servant's towel. Just like in he, he laid his deity aside and took on the form of a bondservant, came as a man here upon this earth to serve you and me. He poured water into the wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the servant's towel with which he was girded. He took his garment off. I'm repeating myself purposely. He took his garment off his, his, uh, as, as if he was taking his deity off. He took his garment off. He laid it aside. He put on the towel of a servant. But he didn't just put on the towel of the servant. He served. It's one thing to say you're a servant, to act, you know, kind of every once in a while maybe, do a little serving sort of kind of to get your check in the box that you needed to do something. But it's another thing to embrace that servanthood. And he took that towel and he put it on him. And he washed, he served the disciples. Let's drop down to verse 12. So when he had finished washing their feet... And had, put on, and had put on his garments and had sat down again, he said to them, do you understand what I have done? After he finished serving, he put his garment back on. Just like after he was crucified and buried, he took and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he's taken his rightful position again. This is such a beautiful picture of that. After he finished serving, he put his garment back on and sat back in his position, took his place of authority again. That's our God, y'all. That's the type of God we serve. We serve a God who loves us so much that he came to serve. We serve a God who loves us so much that he gave his life for us. He rose again. He defeated death and hell for us so that we could walk in that life of victory and so that we could be his disciples here upon this earth so that we could show all mankind who he is and what he's done. Amen? What an amazing King of kings and Lord of lords. I want to ask you to close your eyes, and we're going to just take a minute and we're going to pray. But before I do that, I want to ask you, if there's anybody in here 
that has never made Jesus the Lord of their life, has never submitted their lives to him and say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to raise your hand today, and today can be that day. Today can be the day that you move from just a common man to the Son of God. Amen? Also today, if you've kind of let that whole servanthood thing slip, and we've lost sight of why we're here and why he came and what he's called us to do, I just want you to pray with me. You can pray silently. Jesus, I thank you that you came as a man here upon this earth. And Jesus, I thank you that you bore my sins and that you made a way for me to live a life of abundance here upon this earth. But God, I want to serve you. I want to serve you. I don't want to just live here on this earth as a common person, but I want to serve you and be your disciple. I want to be that one that you've called, that one that you use here upon this earth. That's what I want to be, God. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you have made a way for me to be a son of God and that you've also made a way for me to walk in, in power and authority here upon this earth and that you've also made a way for me to represent you and to be your disciple. I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.